Good morning. How many of you, for you, it is a good morning? All right. Here's a daring question. How many of you, this is maybe not the best of mornings. Anybody? Not for me. Anybody else? Look, I was the first one to raise my hand. Are you all just living in dream world and not in reality? It's always hard. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Well, I want to start off this morning uh, with some full disclosure. Is that okay? All right. And I don't like it when the Lord leads me into this place. But uh, we're going through the book of Philippians. And I have not enjoyed the experience. I have not. It is a challenging book. And I don't mean to offend anybody here, but when I look at it, I'm like, this is terrible. It's just terrible. In my inner monologue, I go, I hate this book. It makes me feel uncomfortable. This is not a book of joy like they said in all the commentaries. This is not what they said to me in seminary. This is wrecking me at the core. And it is. It is easy for me to say and label myself, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor. I look at those things, and I look at the definitions of those things, and at the core, I'm a man that is struggling to align myself with God's heart before I'm anything else. And I, this book has done that for me. I walked in this morning. I feel terrible. I do. I feel sick. I feel bad for people. Well, no one's in this front row. Sorry, Jim. So if something happens, I warned you. But Philippians has a way to undo us. Because Paul is addressing a group of people, for all intents and purposes, are right where they need to be. But the moment we think we're right where we need to be, we can be taken off guard, and experiences and circumstances will hit us in such a way that we go back to what we know because it's known and because it's comfortable. And I have found in my own life, and I'm just full disclosure here, how easy it was for me to get back in counterfeit comforts because this is bringing breakthrough in my own life, and I'm pushing back. Because it's hard. Because I spend probably more time counting the cost instead of counting the blessing. And that can be really challenging. This is not a book about information. It's about transformation. Life in Jesus is not about information. It's about transformation. Is information present? Absolutely. But we can't stop there. And when I approach a letter like this, it informs me. But God has put me in a place where I'm letting it transform me, and it's really hard. So I want to give you permission this morning to sit in your struggle and allow God to minister to you there. Has anyone struggled with this letter or the things that God's saying to you in your life right now other than me? Do you ever feel guilty or ashamed for responding or reacting in your spirit to the movement of God the way maybe you have? Okay. Last week, we talked about um, we are to think about whatever is good, whatever is noteworthy, whatever is uh, lovely, whatever is honorable, all of those things. And you cannot do that without engaging the God that is near. It's not a to-do list that you can manufacture these things on your own and think about them. You have to have a context for them. And when you put these things into practice, the God of peace will be with you. When you put them into what? practice, which means this, God gives us an atmosphere and a space to fail. 
Because when you think about practicing for it, for something, it's so that you can work out the process and the kinks of standing where you need to be to succeeding in the areas that you are working towards. And the failure is not allowed. I'm not talking about sin. Okay? I'm not talking about failure synonymous with sin. Sometimes it's not. A lot of times it's not. I can practice my listening skills, and Shanna can be talking to me, and I am working really hard and making sure I get everything. And more times than not, I have failed to get all the information. Did I sin? No. But I, I notice what happened. I can go back and notice what is happening when I get distracted and step into those places. So I want to... Um, can you do me a favor and give me some tape? This thing's going to bug me. Um, I want us to be okay with sitting in our stuff a little bit so that God can meet us there. Sometimes we try to sweep it under the rug. And if we're going to be models of Jesus, we have to be models of vulnerability, authenticity, and honesty. And that comes with being honest to ourselves, vulnerable with ourselves, and authentic with ourselves. I do not like standing here and asking for tape. Which one do you want? Oh, that's, that's cute, Mark. Very cute. My first mistake. Please notice I modeled uh, asking for help, and I hate doing that. Who likes asking for help? Or who doesn't like asking for help? Okay. Take note of what you just witnessed. Okay. There we go. All right. So, our posture this morning. Don't pretty yourself up. Just let God minister. Can we do that? Okay. It's hard. It's challenging. But we got to be where we're at. We can't try to pretty ourselves up and try to fool ourselves. I'm hurting right now with some of this stuff. It's breaking me. But when I put into practice, I engage, I am told in the last verses we did last week that the God of what? Peace is with me. And peace means taking the fractured pieces and bringing wholeness. It's not the absence of challenge. It's not the absence of hard circumstances. It is the reality of God's healing presence in the midst of those circumstances. He keeps you together. He takes those pieces of your heart through his peace and rearranges them in their proper order. And you begin, as you step into Jesus, because he's near, you begin to see them fused together. It doesn't happen all at one time. It takes time. But as we step into God's presence, the one that is near the God of peace, we see his peace upon us and bring those pieces together and bring healing. Paul knows this. He's not talking to a church that's arrived. He's talking to a church that is going to experience struggle, even in the midst of their good place. So that being said, I want to I pray uh, one more time. I can't say it's the last time, but one more time. And then we'll get into this passage. And let God reveal himself through it. Lord, I pray that you help us posture ourselves this morning um, in a way that we are not afraid to 
um, sit where we're at and allow you to minister. Sit where we're at and allow you to poke and prod at us and bring your peace. It's uncomfortable. We don't like going there because it's so unknown at times. And it's easier to go back to what we do know, even though it's unhealthy. But at least we know where we stand. Or so we think so. But I pray this morning that you would bring breakthrough and be kind as you always are, patient as you always are, as we might bring a little pushback to that breakthrough. But I pray that we would eventually get to a place where we surrender before you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we go into this passage, um, Paul is addressing the church of Philippi uh, for their um, provision and their attempts to provide for him some of his needs. And he will, you hear in the first verse here that he says that your supplies didn't get to me, but it's not because he didn't try. It's he didn't get an opportunity to find where I'm at. And so um, history shows that we're not sure where Paul was, but the, the church in Philippi couldn't pin him down. So the resources and the provision they were trying to give to him was not getting to him. And what we're going to see today is a beautiful response. It's going to be the one of the most challenging things to apply in your Christian life. One of the most challenging things. Here we go. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Here we go. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. <laughs> That's just one verse. How many are looking for the answer of contentment in everything? How many are content in everything? You've arrived. How many are growing in it? How many need a little shot in the arm? All right. Well, today's your day. Okay. Contentment to be satisfied. In the context of Jesus, this is not easy. But I want us to pay attention to something. Remember the last few verses. Put into practice what you have seen from me, says Paul, because I'm watching Jesus. I'm engaging his presence. Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So, what do we see here? For I have learned. And you'll see in the next verse, learned and know are very similar. He is witness, he is seen, and he is applied. He has learned, which means he has failed. Which means he succeeded, too. To a point where he can say, for I have learned... I have come to a place of training, of thinking, of pondering, of making mistakes, of making good choices, of making bad choices, of having good strategies and having bad strategies. And now I have learned to be content, satisfied. Not settling, by the way. Not, oh, okay. Good, holy contentment where everything that, that Christ is within him, all those things are functioning. 
to a place of contentment, the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, the grace, his mercy, his love, his tenderness. It is all there. I have learned to be content. It's not absent of those things. Whatever the circumstances. And this is not the dismissive word, whatever. Any and every, and we'll see that in just a minute, situation you can imagine, he has learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Whatever the circumstances. How many of us deal with making decisions because we're dictated towards those decisions by our circumstances? Raise those hands. Wow. And it is a, you know, it's the leading thing to baldness. <laughs> metaphorically speaking. Right? I mean, it just, anxiety. The things, when you think about, you know, the circumstances you're in and how it pulls you all these different ways, it is hard to be settled in a place of contentment. Is it not? Ah. Scripture talks about it's all over the place. Don't be anxious about anything. And that's in Philippians, by the way. Don't be freaking out. It's leading to this. I have learned, and hopefully Paul's saying, the verses before, you know to model this in me, because I've said it a few times, model what you're seeing from me. I have, and this included, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. The circumstances does not dictate his actions in an unhealthy manner because he has learned to be content. You could take a scroll that's 10 miles long and every one of us could put all the most horrible circumstances we can think of on that scroll and we can bring it before Paul and, the, and what the Lord's doing in him and he is, would be content in every one of those circumstances because of who Jesus is within him. And he's been emphatic that God is near, he is with us, so I engage him, model it after me, and you will learn how to be content in every circumstance. I am tired of being a slave to my circumstances. I'm tired of it. My stomach is in knots trying to sell a, a stupid house. You're waiting. People look at it. They judge it. And then you're like, oh, gosh. Fear of judgment, rejection. There's more soul care. Because my circumstances dictate my behavior. But I want to press into Jesus in such a way that I am not trying to escape the counterfeit comforts. I'm not trying to escape the reality that the, the, the deep, painful, yet wonderful wait for God's breakthrough. All right. <laughs> Next verse, because there's more. I know... What it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Again, we see this word. I have learned the what? The secret. The secret of being content in what? And every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I have learned. I know. So knowing means to see. To see with your own eyes. In the Greek, that's what it means. To literally to see. He has seen. He has experienced what it means to be in need. To have to ask for help. Ooh, we love doing that. 
He knows what it is and has seen what it is to have plenty. Before he was in Christ, he had a trade. He had religious authority. He was feared. He's had plenty. He knows. He's experienced it. Again, I have learned the secret of being content. Someone just hiss at me? Just kidding. (laughs) Oh, I make myself laugh. He's learned the secret. How many want to know the answer to that? Right? Yeah. Do you know what? When, I, when we ask Christians this, this is interesting. Because it's, you know, I, I'm not a professional in this way, but I've asked different people what their, in one way or another, their understanding or, or what their definition is, the secret of contentment. And for Christians, it's not about the information. It's about the practice. How many know they need to trust God? How many for you that know you need to trust God? It's the practice of trusting God that's harder than the knowing. That's our problem. It's not because we don't know. It's that we want information to become transformation. That's the harder place to step into. But Paul says... I have discovered the secret. And when we look at secret in the Greek, the Greeks have wonderful ways, and really confusing sometimes, ways of defining things. And when you really get to look at the words that we read in English and you look at it in Greek, it's fascinating. Because a lot of times it can have more depth. Because when you think about a secret, we think about something we don't know that someone else may know, but we don't get access to it. But when we look at this in the Greek, It means shutting the eyes and mouth to experience the mystery. It doesn't say to get the answer to the mystery. Praise God we do. But the word in itself is be quiet. Sink in and enjoy the mystery. And it's the mystery of the revelation of God. That's what the context is. And, but God reveals himself. And so when Paul is talking about, I have learned the secret. The secret is I trust God. I trust him. I absolutely trust him. And because I trust him, there is no circumstance I can't trust him in. So I am content in all circumstances, because trust gives me access to unlimited hope, unlimited joy, unlimited love and grace and mercy, unlimited safety. So it doesn't matter where I am. I always have access to the one. I always do. I can always trust him, not just on Sunday or Monday through Friday. Every moment of the day, I get the opportunity to trust him. And believe me, I hate the reality of the process of that. It's painful because your anxiety creeps in. It wants to have at that trust. Your nerves go, and then you go, am I drinking too much coffee? Am I around too many annoying people? What is it? Because my gut doesn't feel right. But that's because we removed ourselves from the God of peace and we're feeling things begin to fracture within us again. 
And he says, stay with me so that the peace I bring is with you and that there's, whole, there's wholeness there because you trust me and I am trustworthy. That is the secret, the mystery that we are to shut our eyes and our mouths and just go into. It's one of these, I'm not gonna complain, I'm just gonna walk and I'm gonna trust. Boom, and I'm walking into it. And here is the verse. Got lots to say about this. That I don't know a person, Christian or not, has not heard it one time or another. I can do all this through him who gives me strength, or I can do everything through the one who gives me strength. Let's look at that. I can do what? All. All All that pleases God. That's the context of that. But then the character is, I can do all of that. Nothing is withheld. Nothing's missing. There's nothing I can't get to. All, everything, through. That word's very important. It's through him. You me? No, it's through him. Through him who gives me strength. He gives it to me. When I am with him and I am near him, his strength becomes my strength. Now let's talk about this for a second because this is a big one. God's word never comes back void. I understand that. We can use it in unhealthy ways and God will still bless it. I understand that. But we need to check our hearts when we throw out scriptures because we don't know what else to say and to try and talk someone out of or talk someone into when they into some way of behaving or thinking and think it's helpful when they're struggling, when their circumstances are really overcoming them. Because I'll tell you what, I get irritated when I'm expressing something and someone says, oh, pish posh, God is your strength. You see it on bumper stickers. It is a Christian cliche. Cliches are some of the worst things to happen to scripture. Now, they're great. They're powerful. But sometimes we're so used to seeing them used in a certain way, we do not have the capacity in the moment to receive how powerful and impactful it is. Now, I want to look at that here. Now, it it doesn't mean don't say it, but understand what you're offering someone. Understand what you're help, helping them walk into and get their minds around. I mean, a quick fix it thing is not helpful most of the time. For some, yes. But when I'm hurting and my circumstances, I'm drowning in them, the last thing I want to hear from anybody is, well, God's on the throne. Well, uh, you know, his, let him be your strength. I know those things. I'm not struggling with what I know and what I don't know. I am struggling with the application of stepping into those. So to tell me to do those things is not enough. I need to know the power of of what those things mean and how to step into them. And it's usually helpful when someone steps into those with you. I remember... um, it was, this was about six months ago, and it was the first time in 33 years this actually started to make sense to me. And I, was, I came in to preach, or I came in on a Sunday, and I was preaching, and I was sick as a dog. I could barely stand. 
and I was, and it wasn't just the physical stuff, because the physical stuff can, can discourage you so much, then you get discouraged spiritually, emotionally, you get snippy with people, right? So it just affects your whole being. And I was in that place, and I, and I don't want to be gross or anything, but you can just imagine, you know, what I'm asking God to help me not do, all right? And I go into the bathroom, and I'm, you know where the, uh, where he changed the kids? I remember laying my head down on the counter, and I remember telling him, I've got nothing. I don't have a sermon. I don't have strength. I don't have any connection with my discernment right now. I have nothing. Nothing. And I'm like, so, God, here it is. And I started crying and getting teary. And I just heard him say, just stay with me. And I went, I know that. (laughs) And I heard him say, let me show you what that means. And it was kind of as if you're coaching one of your kids. And I kind of heard him coaching. Okay, bring your, bring your, your back up. Okay. But I, he coached me through it. So the next thing I know, I'm out of the bathroom. I'm in the hallway. And then I'm in the hallway. And then I'm in the lobby. And then I'm in the lobby. I'm in the sanctuary. And then I'm saying hi to people. And remember, when you're sick, the last thing you want to do is say hi to people. I'm being honest, right? I mean, it's like, get away from me. I don't want to be touched. I don't want to be talked to. I don't want to be looked at. That's how you feel. That's not the condition of your heart, but it's how you feel. Then I found myself getting to the front row. Then I found myself getting up here. Then I found myself praying to stall to figure out, Lord, what do you want to say? And guess what? He delivered. And it was nothing I could do or manufacture. It was knowing that God was near. He said, I am with you. Remember, I am near. And when you are in me, when you step into me, you're going to do things your body cannot do. You're going to do things your heart cannot do. I am your strength. I am the source of it. Whatever you think strength is, that's not what it is. When you look at Jesus, that is the source of all strength. He is the one. And when we step into that, there's nothing we cannot do. And then we can stand as Paul has stood and he said, look at me and do what I'm doing because I am with Jesus. I'm not just following Jesus. I'm with Jesus. And because of that, everything I do, everything I do is in his strength. And you should model that. Paul struggle. He's saying, I've learned, I've considered. He's gone through the process. He continues to go through the process. This is a guy, for all intents and purposes, whose past should haunt him. This guy was a murderer. In a sense, it was genocide. He was going after a specific people group and eliminating them, arresting them. We, we call them terrorists. Imagine Jesus coming to a terrace that we're looking at going, he needs to die because of, you know, we're Jesus followers. That guy is killing us. And God changes his heart. And now he's preaching to you about the love of God. Is that his strength? That's only the strength of God. So let's not be too hasty to judge our enemies because God likes to use our enemies to breathe life. Because his strength far outweighs our circumstances. His transformational power 
far outweighs anything you or I will ever experience in our lifetime. That is the God that is near. That is the God that wants to transform every single person by simply inviting you and I in to his embrace. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. You don't need fancy theology. You don't to know that. You don't need to have 10 years of seminary to know that you need to be right with Jesus. I'd have saved thousands of dollars if I knew that that was it. Now, don't get me wrong. You want to have good, God-centered thinking. I'm not saying theology is worth it. But what I am saying is that we can explain Jesus away instead of embracing the simplicity of intimacy with God and letting that be our filter of how we think about God and how we're with God. I want to share a really kooky observation I made watching a movie the other day. To end. I don't know if anyone's heard of the movie Night and Day. It's got like Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. Okay. So he's a spy or something like that. And I'm, you know, spoiler alert, you'll get over it. Um, <laughs> two and a half out of five stars. Anyway, it's not worth your time. And he's a spy and somehow he gets involved with Cameron Diaz and she's caught in the middle of all this. And he's trying to protect her, and she thinks he's a madman. So she is in all this trouble. People are after trying to kill her, and he keeps saving her, but she thinks he's a madman. She doesn't know who to believe, so she keeps running away from him and getting in more trouble. And he has to keep rescuing her over and over. Does this sound familiar to anybody in your own life? And he's like, stay with me. I might seem like a madman, but I have your best interests. He's like, you got stopped. And then she runs away again. And guys are after her, shooting her. And then he comes, and you know, he's doing his Tom Cruise thing, all his own stunts, you know, jumping on cars and all that. And then he rescues her, and there's this part in the, um, they're on this parking ramp. And she was tied up, so he unties her. And he says, you want to go? You can go. But understand this. Your best shot at thriving and living is with me. And he does this thing, with me, without me. With me without me. Let me say that again. With me, without me. People in this day thought Jesus was a madman. Today, we still think he's a madman because he makes it as simple as this. Just be with me. With him, without him. With him, every circumstance you go through, you're fully equipped You're fully loaded. My daddy used to tell me, you're a fully loaded car in Christ Jesus. You know, because often, right, we go and we look at vehicles based off what we can afford. And then we begin to compromise. You know, well, maybe I'll take the heated seats because we're in Minnesota over the power windows. And you start to compromise the things that you want. But when Jesus says, be near, it doesn't matter what you think you can afford or what you think you've done against him or for him. It's about what he's done for you. And he says, here you go. Come into my presence and you get access to everything. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to settle for less. You will be content in all circumstances because I'm your strength. You can trust me. Watch me work. Because I'm going to take your information, turn it upside down, and bring transformation into your life.
That's what it is. He's our strength. He's our source of contentment. Not settling, but thriving. That's a beautiful thing. This will take practice. This is every day. This is not, oh, well, what are we going to learn next Sunday? Same thing. (laughs) Some of you might be tired of hearing me say with or near. I'm going to say it every day of my life to you. That's all I know. I'm not a rocket scientist. I need it spelled out in crayon with the R in reverse. Stay with me. Okay. That's good enough for me, and he does the rest. Amen. All right, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. Because who you are is what transforms us. Who you are is what people need. People want without even knowing what they want. We spend too much time counting what we think it'll cost us. Lord, would you lead us to a place where we stop thinking about what it'll cost us And start thinking about what we gain. An intimacy and a relationship we could never have imagined for ourselves. Because our imagination is too small. I pray that when we look in this moment, when we do our tithes and offerings, that we would apply the same thing. We look at this holy time. Anytime we give anything in the name of Jesus, it's always a holy moment. Because it's your love being poured out in us and through us. That we would stop asking whether it's money, time, relationship. What is it going to cost me? There's good stewardship and then there's counting the cost because we don't want to be uncomfortable. Lord, as we bring our tithes and offerings before you this morning and throughout the week. And every situation that you lead us into. May we give and step into those moments in a way that we are content with whatever comes our way because we are with you, and you are our strength, you are a source of provision. So I want to pray over you this morning, this passage, and I want to read it to you one more time, and I would encourage you to close your eyes, pretend the semi-comfortable chair you're in is a barca lounger, get into that place where you can receive where you think you're worthy or not is irrelevant. You are because you're his and he has something for you this morning. So I want to read this over you one more time and be asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say to me now in my current situation about this and what do you, how do you want me to respond? And Paul writes in verse 10 of chapter four, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned, I've struggled, I've considered, I've come to the place to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know, through experience, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. I have learned the secret, the great mystery of being content in any 
and in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him, through Jesus, who gives me strength. Thank you, Lord. You are our strength. In Jesus' name. Just encourage you to continue your worship through giving, really placing your trust in the Lord and just saying, God, this is yours.
Oh. 